Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. I am thrilled to introduce you to our sponsor, Windshape Marriage. Their weekend retreats will strengthen your marriage and you will enjoy this gorgeous setting, delicious food, and quality time with your spouse. To find out more, visit them online at windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. First, I want to say happy birthday to my sweet mom. She is the most loving, nurturing, and kind-hearted mom, and we want to honor her on her special day. So from our editor, Natalie, and myself, happy birthday, Mom. We love you. I now also get to host a charming couple today, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, healthy rhythms in marriage. Chris and Jenny Gravy are my guests, and they love each other well model what they teach to others, and they've written down their wisdom in a marriage book they recently released. I hope this chat leaves you encouraged and equipped with conversation starters and thought-provoking questions to ask yourself and your spouse as you enjoy all the goodness God has to offer us in marriage. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Chris and Jenny. Hey. Thank you so much for having us, Laura. Yes, so excited to talk with the two of you. And will you both just give a glimpse of your current phase of life? Oh, sure. It's a wild season of life for us. We have five kids ranging from four to 16, yeah. uh, one boy and four girls. So we've got two teenagers and three little ones, and it is just a beautiful, chaotic season. Yeah, filled with a lot of carpooling and running around, <laughs> but just you Lots know, stealing away moments of just fun and trying as best we can to soak up the all the different seasons collectively together. Like last night, we had the opportunity to just sit on our back porch where the kids played and laughed and danced and had the cafe lights on. It's just you know, it's just those moments. Are those times. are the moments. Yeah. So that's that's a quick glimpse in our world. There may be a lot too many dishes in the sink, but you know, other than that, <laughs> like it's a good life. Absolutely. And can you share a little bit more about your careers too? Because you've been on this path of in your marriage moving around multiple times. So your seasons have looked different. But what do the two of you do for work? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, you know, when Jenny married me, you know, we, you're going to talk about this book we've written, but one of the things we talk about is this idea of adventure. And so when we got married, uh, she knew she was signing up for adventure. And so we decided just let's go for it. So we've lived all over the place, both both of the coasts, the middle of the country, a lot of time in Texas. And um, throughout those seasons, it was seasons of ministry and entrepreneurship. And in my very early days, I was on this little TV network called MTV. I was on a show <laughs> called Road Rules. And, you know, Jenny was a singer in those days and she was wearing pleather pants. And <laughs> Let's so, not mention the pleather yeah. pants, you know, let's be nice. So we've just had this wild ride. And so now where we find ourselves is obviously we, we have a podcast called The Rhythm of Us. We're authors. We've this book, The Rhythm of Us. You know, I'm an entrepreneur through and through. So I've got a couple of ventures that I'm working on. So there's never a dull moment in our never life. Never a dull moment, for sure. Yes, it sounds very full. And we won't digress too much, but I'm sure everybody asks, how did you get on road rules? Is it weird to say Jesus? I mean, you know, it's like, I don't know. Did God do that? It was a God deal. It was totally a God deal. You know, I mean, my whole thing was, as a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, MTV was at the height. It was at the pinnacle. And so... It was the early reality show before all the spinoffs have, had come. And I just, I don't know, I, God had wired me to, you know, ultimately I sit in front of a microphone now and, you know, obviously with through this and various different places he's put me on stages throughout my career. But as a young, uh, influential, whatever, you want to change the world. And so like, what's a place I could go that could happen and I don't have to have a lot of skills. <laughs> I could just go be crazy on MTV. So Anyway, luckily, I had encountered Jesus right before I went on the show and had the opportunity to share my faith and my walk and just um, ho hopefully uh, honor God throughout that adventure. So that that's how that worked. And uh, it was a wild ride. But, you know, those days are gone that people stop me on the street and go, were you the guy from? <laughs> so I don't, yeah, most of the time. I don't get a lot of those yeah, anymore. Yeah. 
which I'm sure with that transition into marriage, that was a very unique element for the two of you. It was. It was for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, is just to kind of talk about the idea of adventure is I had done a couple little challenges. They have these big challenges return thing. And and they called me and they said, hey, we've got this challenge, Battle of the Sexes 2. Do you want to be a cast member on it? I was like, heck, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, you know, we were engaged and we were planning to get married. We had a date on the calendar and everything. And they were like, hey, we picked you. And I'm like, oh, cool. When, when's the show? And I'm like, well... It's two starts two weeks before your marriage. I was like, ah, <laughs> uh, for my wedding day? Yeah. yeah, okay. So how's that gonna work? So I went and filmed for two weeks. Jenny was a trooper. I flew, I hadn't gotten kicked off yet. So I flew back that weekend. We got married and then I went back to the show for three days. So um and then just wild. yeah, and just said, <laughs> kick me off. I gotta go be with my bride. But uh yeah, it was an adventure from the beginning, that's for sure. Wow. Well, you've documented some of that journey because your marriage book is fantastic. And Oh, thank you. Yes, I mean that. It's called Rhythms of Us, Creating the Thriving Marriage You Long For. So because you wrote the book on it, I'd love to know what marital habits are worthy of prioritizing for the two of you and what return have you seen on that investment? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And, you know, really the whole idea of this book is not just cataloging the rhythms that are true of us, but also of the wise people around us. You know, we've been married 17 years and, and that is a good amount of time. But also we have been blessed with so many couples that God has put in our life that have a lot of fruit in their lives. They're the kind of couples that just stop you in their tracks because they're still somehow wildly in love after decades of marriage. And those are the kind of people that we want to learn from. We want to sit with, we want to lean into learning their rhythms. So we try to find that balance in this book of finding those rhythms that are true, not just of us, but of the couples in our lives that have incredible marriages. And how can we find the top you know, five rhythms that really have carried them and based the book around those. So that's what we did. We found five rhythms that are true of those couples and that have brought a lot of fruit in our marriage as well and based it around those. And on page 14, you write, <clears throat> before we can fill our lives with the rhythms we value most, it's important to identify the practices we don't. Now that makes me curious, what are some examples of practices that you've realized you don't value and you don't want to value? That's a great question. I think there's there's so many. After 17 years, there's been a lot of ups and downs, obviously. And, you know, we talk about in the book that there are certain rhythms, certain habits that might be good in the beginning of your marriage, but after you know 17 years and five kids, we have to shift and we have to look at our lives and, and ask, okay, is this good for us now? What are some of those things that we need to let go of that used to bring fruit in our lives, but they're no longer bringing fruit? So, you know, that could be anything from spending all day Saturday going to play basketball with friends at the gym. That was fine when we were first married because mm -hmm. it was just the two of us. But now with five kids, giving up a whole Saturday of family time to go play basketball with friends is just not a rhythm that would bring life to us, to our marriage or to our family. So that's something that we needed to let go of. Yeah. I mean, you could equate it to somebody listening here thinking like, you know, golf is great. People love golf, but I can't imagine telling Jenny Hey, I'm going to leave for five hours <laughs> on these two days where our kids aren't in school and we all have each other. And so not saying that you don't go play basketball here and there or golf here and there, but I think it's just starting to acknowledge like, hey, you know, this season has changed. Our seasons are changed. Our, our kids have different needs. Our marriage has different needs. What is that thing that, you know, we talk about where rhythms become ruts in the book you know, what are some of those things that have kind of become a rut and, and aren't really bringing life to our marriage? And at the end of the day, hopefully the longer you're in this thing, the more you start to take your eyes off yourself. Because, you know, we got married at 24, you know, it's like your still eyes are pretty much on yourself. And so we've, <laughs> we've been working through that over 17 years and still plenty to go. But you start to appreciate the moments you have with your family the same you did with basketball, if not more, especially as you have teenagers that start to getting close to exiting the building. You're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I've got two years left with this kid. Yeah. And it's a really crazy dynamic to then turn and look at the four-year-old and go, I know how fast this is going to go. This is just as important as basketball or golf. Those things are great, but 
how do I cherish these moments just like I cherish those and find these new rhythms in a new season? Yeah. Okay, so I think that you're just bringing to life 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm just going to paraphrase. I do not have it memorized, but as we're talking about hobbies for either spouse, it says something about when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a Mm -hmm. child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Right. To me, it doesn't mean that golf or basketball are childish, but like you're saying, you're choosing love. That is the love chapter. So you're choosing love and others over some hobby that only benefits you at that time. And so then it sounds like these rhythms, they're transferring to still, maybe you enjoy those recreational things, but you do this more together. So I'm wondering though, for the couple listening, maybe they're on more of a parallel trajectory and whether they have kids in the home or not, how do you recommend they start to make these discoveries first of what rhythms are in their life currently that are not beneficial? Yeah, there's a great tool that we talk about in the book that actually comes from one of our favorite psychologists, Dr. Henry Cloud, and it's called Find the Misery and Make a Rule, which sounds very lofty, but it's very simple. And all it means is that you take a look at your life and you recognize those pain points that keep showing up over and over and over. And then you follow the trail of that to the root. And if you can, you can try to set a limit or make a rule there to keep that from happening. So this is something that we use constantly in our lives from big things to small things. I'll give you a couple examples. One of the things that kept coming up in our marriage pretty early on was that, you know, as a stay-at-home mom with a bunch of little kids that I absolutely love and adore and that I was grateful to spend my weeks with, come Thursday, I was absolutely exhausted. I was ready for a break and it showed <laughs> in the way that I was living. No, no, but it was fine. <laughs> it, was, no, no. it was something that we could all recognize. And to make a rule against that exhaustion coming out against my family, Chris very lovingly said, hey, every Friday we're going to start something. You need to go and just get a couple hours just by yourself to fill back up, do whatever brings you life, whatever refuels your tank. And for me, that usually looks like going and finding a pretty trail out in the trees that I can walk. It looks like spending time with the Lord at a coffee shop where I can just think complete thoughts without interruptions. And I am telling you, that has made the biggest difference in our life, in our marriage. I always come back a better mom. I always come back a better spouse and just feeling more alive and ready to jump back in with time with my family. But it took us really examining our life and our rhythms to go, okay, let's just look at this. Every Thursday, I am feeling exhausted. I'm feeling miserable. I'm feeling like I need something to change here. And then putting a rule in place where, okay, this is something that we can practice, that we can prioritize as a family so that you can thrive as well. Yeah. Another, another example, just for everybody listening is, you know, you hear all these people have a lot of issues with family, like extended family, like, okay, you get married, you get in and it's like, oh, okay, we got 15 things we have to go through for Thanksgiving. We got to go to this house for Thanksgiving and this house. And They'll be so mad if we don't do X, Y, and Z. And so I think one of the things we we kind of established early on, I didn't, I don't know if it was like we kind of knew how intentional it was being, but we just decided to put some boundaries there and go like, look, like everyone loves each other. We're all for each other. We can't make everyone happy all the time. So what's the best thing we can do? What are some boundaries or some rules or some principles we can put in place that for our family is a rule that we can follow and then go, hey, rest of the family, we love you. And we, we look forward to seeing you. We have a blast when we're together. But here's some boundaries we're setting in place because sometimes you can find a lot of misery in that. You're trying to please everyone, make everyone happy, get on time at this person's house, like you have gifts for everybody. You know, the whole thing, it just can be wild. And I'm sure everyone listening has no clue what I'm talking about <laughs> in this regard. But it, it's definitely, that's just another practical example how you can find the misery, make a rule. And ultimately, it brings life for yourself, your spouse, and everyone involved when you're able to kind of put the right rules in place and and operate in essence the the way God's called you to walk. These are such wise principles. And I love how you say that the two of you examined your rhythms. And so what did that actually look like? I'm wondering, did you go on a date night to do this? Is this after the kids are in bed? 
but how did you do it and how can other couples begin to take inventory of their marriage and then move toward purposefully implementing healthier rhythms into their relationship? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, the last part of the book is just this. Exactly. There there are three sections walking you through different questions that you can ask each other that really help you pinpoint the rhythms that bring you both life. There's a section in there where you can talk through the vision that you both have for your marriage so that you make sure you're actually trying to head in the right direction and you're going the same place. You're not you know, having two separate different visions of your marriage and then wondering why the other one can't get on the same page. So that is really helpful. I think for us, we love talking. (laughs) We have a podcast where we talk to guests and all kinds of things, but we've always enjoyed just talking with each other and having great conversations. So for us, that looks like at least a couple times a week, you can find us in the mornings with our hot cups of coffee in our chairs, having a great talk. And that is usually where we really hash through some of these things that are coming up in our hearts, in our lives, in our family, where we examine, you know, things that have come up during the week, whether it's a rut or a rhythm, you know, there's, there's definitely room to talk about the great things that are happening in our life. Like Chris and Chris mentioned sitting outside with our kids, watching them play underneath the cafe lights that brings us so much life. We're like, we've got to do this more. Mm -hmm. We have to make space for this more so that we can enjoy this. And there's also pain points that we can talk through like, okay, Hey, when you came in the door this week on your phone, that really stole away from us getting you all to ourselves. So let's put a rhythm in place. So let's put a rule in place where, all right, you can finish up all of your work stuff before you walk in the door so that we can just have you all to ourselves as soon as you come in the door. We are trying to give people a framework where they can have an honest, open conversation and nobody's pointing the finger. Because when I ask the question, are you in rhythm? Are you out of rhythm? People can immediately go, well, you know what? We're in rhythm on budgeting, but we're really out of rhythm on communication or we're out of rhythm and intimacy, but we're in rhythm on working together with the kids. And so really this book and the way we're approaching it and the idea of giving someone a framework is everyone is wired so differently. But if we can all come from this place to go, look, you're not the problem. I'm not the problem. This thing is out of rhythm. Now let's work together and have whatever the, whatever the framework is that works best for us as a couple, the longer we're married, the more we understand. Don't talk to him at night because he's sleepy. Don't try and catch her at the very beginning, right when she's waking up before she's had her coffee. Learn those those spots where you can have that healthy conversation. Some people need prep. Some people want to just dive in and talk. You start to understand that. Then you can really craft and go, okay, I think we're out of rhythm over here. And, I, and you know, maybe one agrees or don't, but you didn't have a framework to say, well, let's just work through it and see how we can find ourselves back in rhythm so we both feel like we're thriving in this area of our marriage. I love how you use that word thriving. And I think that's really important because this model that you're laying out to me, it sounds like such an exciting way to naturally minimize conflict while maximizing delight. You're just being more intentional about how you spend your time and your lives together. And we won't go through all the rhythms because people have to read the book to get that. (laughs) But one of them is speaking life. And so I just love to hear how the two of you practice that valued rhythm of speaking life. Yeah, this is this idea of choosing intentionally to speak words of life over your marriage, over your spouse. And then eventually, you know, over your family when you have kids or if you do, it's so important. And it really, just like the Bible says, we have the power to choose blessing or cursing. We we have the power to create that culture in our marriage by the words that we speak. And this was something that Chris really did early on in our marriage very naturally. And I talk about in the book how this was so hard for me (laughs) to do at first because I just didn't grow up in a family where we did that. We thought lots of wonderful things about each other, but we didn't actually speak them out loud a lot. And so if you're not used to it, it can be kind of awkward at first. But over time, learning how to do that and seeing how easy it was for Chris and how much it meant to him, when I just took the time to speak out loud the wonderful things I was already thinking about him, he just needed to hear that. And I needed to become the kind of person that could speak those words out loud to him. It changed me as well as I practiced it. And it shaped me to become the kind of person who could look for the good, look for the gifting in him and speak it out loud. 
Yeah, I imagine people were wondering, okay, we're really weak in this area of our marriage or whatever. Maybe the words we speak to each other are maybe snide, funny comments or whatever, but this whole life thing, what do I do? Walk in, you are beautiful and wonderfully made. You know, it's like, I don't know, not that, but the, the way it can play itself out is is pretty simple. Like there's a moment where I'll, I'll catch her eye and we're sitting there at the dinner table and I just think to myself, man, she is so beautiful. And I just stop and tell our kids, I'm like, guys, do you know how unbelievably beautiful and amazing your mom is and in that moment they're like we know you always tell us I'm like that's right you're, you're never gonna not hear me say that but in that moment it's a something I'm doing public in front of the, the kids or whatever you know but it's the seeds that are being sown all across the place for her for them the, hopefully the example for their future spouse that they will find someone that tells them that they are they are beautiful and lovely and thank them for the work that they're doing that no one sees you know and it's like Hey, thank thank you so much for doing the laundry today. Because one, I hate the laundry. <laughs> and two, this doesn't just get done by itself. A lot of time there's just that's just a thankless thing that no one sees. The, the kids are running up going, Mom, thank you so much for doing my laundry today. Sometimes they do, but most of the times it's just like, oh cool, there's there's magical clothes that show back up in this drawer. And so I think if we think it and we say it, and it starts, it can start really practical. Hey. Thank you so much. Depending on if you're in a rough spot in your marriage, hey, I just want to say thank you for providing for us, for showing up every day and doing your job. And then you'll be amazed how that unlocks the heart just a little bit of someone who maybe is in this like couples that's been in a tough spot and they haven't spoken life to each other in a really long time. Yeah. You just like, okay, let's just type little, what can I, what can I find? That, that they're doing that I value and I appreciate. I'm going to speak this life and I'm going to sow a seed that's going to continue to crack the door just a little bit more and you'll be amazed what re reciprocation comes on the other side of that. It's going to take a little bit of practice, but once you get into it, you'll never want to stop. Yeah. I, I want to take a minute too and just acknowledge that I get that there are moments in a marriage or there are seasons where it's really hard to find anything good to speak out loud, mm -hmm. whatever the circumstances, that whatever has led you there. I know there are really hard seasons in a marriage and, and you might be listening thinking, I can't think of one nice thing to say about my spouse. And I just want to encourage you there that what you lack, pray for. I love that's what the Bible says. And I just think that so many times, like, what you lack, pray for. Just ask God. The, the best place to start is prayer. Just ask God to help you see your spouse as he does. And there is always something good, even if it's small, just like Chris said, there is always something good that you can acknowledge. In the book, we talk about three ways to do this. You can affirm the good, you can affirm the gift, and you can affirm the truth. And what that simply means is that you affirm the good by exactly what Chris said, just whatever good that you can possibly see as you're asking for God to give you eyes to see that, just speak it out loud. If they're playing with the kids, just say, oh my gosh, you're such a great dad. Thanks for, thanks for being incredible. Thanks for playing with our kids. If they're doing the ditches, even if it's not the way that you would like them done, you can say, hey, thanks for helping out. That really means a lot. You affirm whatever good you see around you. You can also take this to another level by affirming the gift in your spouse. Affirm the gifts and abilities and talents that you see. Every single human has these things. God has given us all gifts and abilities. And how powerful for you as their spouse, the most important person mm -hmm. in their life, to be the one to acknowledge those things and to water those seeds that you see of gifting and dreams and abilities. If you see that their eyes light up whenever they do something, you can say, wow, I notice like you just come alive doing this. Like maybe this is, maybe there's something there. Maybe God's given you uh, you know, an ability here. What can we do to grow this and to water this? Maybe every time you drive by a restaurant, they say, oh man, wouldn't it be great to open a restaurant someday? And you have the choice in that moment to either go, yeah, whatever, <laughs> or say, tell me more about this. Is this a dream that you have? Like, is there something here that we could pursue together as a couple? You know, so that's just an example of finding the gifting and, and affirming the gift. And then the last one, which I think is 
might be the most powerful is affirming the truth. So in hard seasons, when your spouse might not be acting the way that you wish they would or the way that they used to, you know who they truly are. You can ask God to remind you who they truly are, and then you can affirm who you know them to be instead of how they're acting. I love what Henry Cloud says that maturity in life and in marriage is being able to separate the people that we love from the behaviors that we don't. And so in those seasons, we can look at how they're acting and we can separate that from who we really truly know them to be. And we can speak to that person. We can speak to the potential instead of to the behavior. Let's take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. I'm so excited to share today's sponsor, Windshape Marriage, with you. Windshape Marriage is a fantastic ministry that helps couples prepare, strengthen, and if needed, even save their marriage. Windshape Marriage is grounded on the belief that the strongest marriages are the ones that are nurtured, even if it seems like things are going smoothly. That way, they'll be stronger if they do hit a bump along their marital journey. Through their weekend retreats, Windshape Marriage invites couples to enjoy time away to simply focus on each other. These weekend retreats are hosted within the beautiful refuge of Windshape Retreat, perched in the mountains of Rome, Georgia, which is just a short drive from Atlanta, Birmingham, and Chattanooga. While you and your spouse are there, you'll be well-fed, well-nurtured, and well-cared for. During your time away in this beautiful place, you and your spouse will learn from expert speakers and explore topics related to intimacy, overcoming challenges, improving communication, and so much more. I've stayed on site at Windshape before, and I can attest to their generosity, food, and content. You will be so grateful you went. To find an experience that's right for you and your spouse, head to their website, windshapemarriage.org. That's W-I-N-S-H-A-P-E marriage.org. Thanks for your sponsorship. I love everything you're saying, and I want to take it a step further because you've talked about the words that we can speak and how we can do this publicly and privately and how really it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where what you're seeing and calling out and speaking over your spouse, you get to see that rise up in them. And so that's the verbal part, but then the actionable part of serving each other. I'd love to hear some more of your practical examples. So what are ways that the two of you serve each other and stay committed to one another's well-being and flourishing? I think that's one of these things, you know, Jane talks about how you know, speaking life and words, it wasn't really a thing for her. Uh, serving was definitely Achilles heel for me. We got married at 24. Like I said, my eyes were pretty much fixed on myself <laughs> and the idea of going and changing the world, you know, through career and all that. And so we had a kid pretty early on in our marriage and our son, Caden, it was like, okay, well, you're, we're, we both agree you're going to stay home with him and I'm going to go out and do whatever. And the, the story is pretty typical for most, but I think through a season, through over the season years, and Jenny just like being so faithful and just so kind and generous with her time and patient with me as I'm like, maybe we're going to try this. Let's do that. You talked about early in the beginning of the podcast, we moved across the country. We did. We moved, we moved <laughs> all over the world, you know, all over the country. And it was fun. And it was great. And that was a part of Jenny serving me and some of the dreams and visions I had. But I think the you know the longer we're in this game and the more I continue to take my eyes off myself and look at her, yes, practically it can play itself out in day-to-day tasks and chores. Like, you know, what needs to be done? You know, these dishes aren't going to be done by themselves. Like, you need to do that. Um, it also plays itself out in going like, hey, just like we talk about the Fridays. Like, hey, I need you to have this Friday or whatever. But the other thing is kind of what Jenny was talking about is this idea that um, there is this person that God has gifted you with, this person that he said, yeah, that's your spouse. And you said yes to them as well. And marriage is such a gift. And the fact that somebody else said yes to you and they said yes to you again today because they showed up and they're there. Now, like Jenny said, it, it can be tough. I think part of serving that we started to discover is like when I took my eyes off myself, I was able to look at Jenny and say, hey, what are your dreams? Like, what are the things that, that are inside of you that I can help bring to life and and see become a reality? And so that was something that I think 
once that started to happen and she stepped into some things like the podcast we did and now we're writing this book, I think she even didn't even realize that there was something there that, that God had put inside her that she needed to do. And she kind of looked at me after one of our first podcasts and was like, don't ever let me not do something like this again. Don't ever let me not put my hands to something that I feel like I'm, I'm stepping into. And, you know, it's scary and it's challenging, but it's just amazing for me on the other side is I served her and asked you know, what is her dreams? And then seeing her step in and thrive, it was just, just truly a moment. So there's just multiple ways we can serve our spouse. It's in the day to day. And then a lot of times it's in the dreamings, but at the same time, just recognizing them as such a gift from God is, is really, truly the first step. I love Jan Peterson has a really small, great book on serving. That was kind of her gifting, but she says, we all start off self-centered. Our wants are our world. That's just natural. And so it takes a lot of time and intentionality to learn a different way to live. But what we say in the book is that, you know, no marriage can thrive when our eyes are consistently focused on ourselves. That is just a fact. If I continue to live ignoring my spouse's needs, that will eventually explode. Our, our marriage will not last if I'm not also considering his needs as well as mine. And actually, the greatest joy is found when we are able to do just that, when we're able to shift our eyes from our own wants and needs to actually noticing and nurturing the needs of our spouse. There's something we talk about in the book called the cycle of serving. So essentially what that looks like is when we take a small step of noticing a need in our spouse that we can serve, shifting our eyes from our own needs, and we start to meet those needs step by step, we move towards this place of strength and thriving in our marriage where we look up and go, how did I get so blessed to have this spouse? And I'm constantly looking at how I can meet their needs. And I'm so grateful that they're meeting my needs. And it, it's wonderful. And then the opposite is true as well, where if by step by step over time, we make the choice to neglect our spouse's needs or to think only of ourselves over time, where we end up is, man, I wish they would just wake up and meet my needs. And if you have thought that to yourself lately, it's a good indicator that you are at the bottom of that cycle. But the good news is we are always one step away from moving back in the right direction towards the thriving marriage that we long for. And it all starts with just taking a moment to get my eyes off myself and noticing who my spouse is, how God's wired them, and how I can meet their needs in that place. Okay, as you're saying all of this, it seems like oftentimes the wife, especially in this situation that you're talking about, when she chooses to stay home with the kids, she is all in for supporting her husband's dreams and desires. And yet, Chris, you did an incredible job of humbly looking to her as well and calling out Jenny for she still has gifts that are beyond the children and maybe beyond the marriage that God has given her. And so you called that to life, but you helped her develop it. So would you just speak to the husbands now and talk about that responsibility and that privilege and the goodness that you've seen from committing to helping her pursue growth? Yeah, I wish I wish I could say like from day one, I was like, oh, man. But I think, you know, with anything, um, as we grew deeper together and walked through some hard seasons and different things like that, it was just like, wow, like my my love and my my appreciation, my value for her just continued to increase. And I think, you know, we had a season early on where like we got pregnant and then I think she was just going like, you know, what about me? What about my identity? You know, we had a God put a season where things were tough. And so she had to get a get a job and we would, you know, I was working during the night, she was working during the days. And I think it was a moment where she just said, okay, you know what, like you go work, we'll stay home. And that, that was kind of a gift that God gave us. And, and we didn't know, you know, is this forever kind of thing, but we just kind of dove headlong five kids. I mean, we were in the thick of it, but I think there's this place where it's like, I look around at my wife and she'd be leading things at church and people, she just was a magnet. People be drawn to her. You know, Jenny talked about giftings. I mean, she just got a lot of giftings. She's the one with the college degree. She's the smart <laughs> one, you know? So it, it, for me, I, I think I just had to stop and look and go, Hey, you know what? Like, how can I continue to ask? And there'd be seasons she's like, no, I love this. This is great. This is exactly where we are. And I don't even know if she really even had words to say, hey, this season's coming. But I think 
the more we prayed and God starts to stir, right? I think there's that thing, like you said, if you're listening, fellas, if you're listening to what she's saying and you're looking what's happening in your life and maybe there's some margin coming in her life or maybe you need to help create that margin in her life and go, you know what? Before we got married, you had these skills and you have these giftings and you maybe haven't tapped into for years now, but now you've got all this life experience and you've, you've been leading this Bible study over here or whatever that looks like. Maybe you're, you're a fitness trainer, whatever that is and however it plays out in her life, you know, just kind of stoke the fires a little bit. Just just kind of see if you can spark. Just throw a spark out there and go, does this catch? Is this something God wants? Are we hitting a bunch of doors here? Are we trying to force something? But then ultimately you can go like, no, I think that's it. And then you'll be amazed at what happens inside of her when she goes, maybe that is it. Oh my gosh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I, but, you know, but here we are. And then then you can kind of fan that into flame and say, yeah, now, now this is something here. And maybe nothing comes of it. But the fact that you can sit across from her and say, I see you, I hear you, I see the giftings inside of you. Is there anything else that you've got a desire for? Because she may not even know she has it, or she may have it just waiting for you to actually ask. And then guess what? Once you know and once you hear, then you're responsible. And you got to figure out how to help bring that to life. And you can do it through baby steps. Doesn't mean you mortgage the house to go, okay, well, let's put $50,000 <laughs> on the house so you can start this business. Just seek God, do it together, be prayerful. Guys, challenge, push, encourage. Uh, in the right way, and you watch what will happen to your spouse. She will fall more in love with you and be more appreciative. Even if nothing happens, she'll go, wow, this this person actually truly loves me. Is not just thinking of themselves. And so what I hear you saying, Chris, is that you noticed Jenny. You asked her about these things continuously. You would start these conversations, and then you also took it a step further, and you felt the responsibility to act on that. And I think that is such a great model. You also write about something related on page 70 where you say, thriving couples are thoroughly interested in each other's lives. So what do you two think keeps us from focusing on each other's needs on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, I think our wants are our world. You know, that's just how we naturally function. So it does take time and intentionality to start learning to live differently. And, um, you know, I think something that that Chris does really well, and I'm so grateful for, and that we've we've come to practice together, is just making room for each other's dreams. You know, like he talked about, not just acknowledging them and encouraging them, but putting action behind that by making room for it and making it a priority in our life together. There are a thousand different ways that we can choose to live our life. So I show my husband that I believe in him and his dreams by by making space for him to do some of those things that cause him to come alive. And, you know, we talk about in the book that the research actually shows that we are most enamored with and drawn to our spouse when we're able to see them doing that thing, whatever their thing is that makes them come alive. There is not a spouse in the world who won't be drawn to their spouse in that setting, whatever it is for them that they do that causes them, you know, their eyes to sparkle and, and for them to just, come alive. We all love seeing our spouse in those environments where they can do that. So, you know, then it becomes um, our responsibility to make room for them to say yes to some of those things. You know, an example that we talk about in the book is when Chris travels for work, anybody who has kids in the house or their spouse travels, you know, when you're, you're single parenting it at home, it can be tough. And you kind of, at least I do, I ration out my energy for each day. And I know how much I'm going to need to be able to keep up with the energy of these energetic toddlers that are running around our house. You know, so it was a week like that. And I, we were coming uh, to the end of the week, Chris had been gone for three days and I knew he was going to be home that night. So I, you know, reserved just enough energy in the tank to make sure that I was, was keeping up with these kids. And I got a call <laughs> from Chris and he said, Hey, babe, listen, before I tell you what's going on, I just want you to know if you say, no, I need you at home. I will absolutely jump on a plane and I'll be home, but I have this opportunity. Um, and he was 
given the opportunity to go and interview Mike Tyson and Dennis Rodman in this you know, take a private jet there. It was just like this once in a lifetime opportunity. And of course, I know for him, this is what he does. He is so good at hosting. At If you give him the mic, he comes alive being able to lean into conversations and talk with people and navigate those settings. I have seen it a million times and I love watching him do it. It makes him come alive and it draws me to him as his spouse. So my my reaction was absolutely, please go do that. And we're going to be cheering you on at home. And I knew it wasn't going to be easy for me. There were sacrifices that I was going to have to make because I was out of energy. So I had to come up with a different plan moving forward so that he could do that. But I knew the value in it. I knew he was going to come back on cloud nine and we were going to get the joy of watching him do something that he's he's made to do. So that's just an example. Yeah, I mean, you know. Sitting across from Mike Tyson in that moment was really amazing, <laughs> but it, it is true. I mean, that that's a moment that's an Instagram picture, right? And it moves on. But the just the beauty is that I know that I've got this partner, this teammate in my beautiful wife that's like, hey, let's go on an adventure. And so it only just stores up so much in the bank and it makes me just so thankful for, in those moments because there's going to be a moment when she calls and goes, hey, I've got this adventure in front of me. And I can't wait to say yes to it. Yes. And I have to just give a shout out to my husband, Mark, as well. I feel like he models and leads this so well and so selflessly. Even today, this is how it looked. I guess last night we thought one of our daughters was coming down with something. And so instantly I'm texting the babysitter and keeping her posted about today. And I was looking forward to this recording and I started thinking, okay, how am I going to reschedule? And he right away said, babe, I will change my plans around with work. I'm going to make sure this happens. I will absolutely keep the kids. You've got this on the calendar. It's important. I want to help you in that. And all is well. God answered prayers. She's totally fine. No fever or anything. And so I'm grateful this worked, but I'm so glad to know that does make me more drawn to him and more aware of ways I can then also turn to him and see what I can be doing to take a load off his shoulders or to make his life easier or just to support his dreams. So I think it is a really great cycle. And when someone goes first, it's really hard not to follow after them. Hey, everyone. By now, I hope you've checked out our articles that are available at thesavvysauce.com. And if you sign up to join our email list, you'll enjoy free ideas and encouragement delivered straight to your inbox. Our hope is to encourage you to have your own practical chats for intentional living. So the freebies will oftentimes include questions you can ask on your next date night, safe resources to read to promote enjoyment in your sexual intimacy and marriage, or questions to ask yourself to promote spiritual growth. We hope you check out all the available reads at thesavvysauce.com under the Articles tab. Well, what has God taught you both about the application of Psalm 9012, which says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom? Well, that's one of my favorite verses. I love that. You know, and Chris and I were talking about this verse last night preparing for this, you know, that numbering our days means remembering that they're a gift, right? It means practicing the rhythm of awe that we talk about in our book. It means remembering, wow, every moment that I've been given is a gift from God and I want to make it count. And I love that it starts by saying, teach us right? Teach us to number our days because we have to be taught. This doesn't come naturally to us, but it's something we have to cry out to the Lord for. Teach us, Lord, to number our days, to make them count, to to live a life of gratitude back to you by enjoying this life that you've given me, by making the most of it, by cherishing my spouse, by cherishing my kids, by contributing to my community. You know, that's that's what it means to us. Um, numbering our days means remembering they're all a gift. Well, then I think also of times that things aren't going well, how do we know when we're reaching our breaking point and how can we identify when our spouse is maybe nearing the same place? 
I think that just comes from, again, taking our eyes off ourselves and looking at the situation, understanding what produces stress in our spouse, and also understanding the stress tolerance of our spouses. Like sometimes for me, I, I kind of like stressful situations, but that doesn't mean that everyone around me isn't in the fetal position in the corner because I'm like, <laughs> this is amazing. And it's like, wait, 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 hold on, man. Let's think about everyone in this scenario. And so I think I think when you find yourself in those seasons and spots, I think if we can, we can go, okay, what do I know that is the, where we can go and we can kind of just connect, have a conversation, you know, we got to get to that place where we earn trust and we're going, Hey, I see this happening here. Does this feel right to you? Does this seem true to you? We definitely seem like we're out of rhythm over here. Here's what I'm able to do to contribute to this, to help, you know, serve you in this way. And then you don't know what the kind of the reciprocation of that's going to be. Maybe they they need a minute. You know, some of us can forgive right away and go, hey, are we good? And others are like, no, no, I need, I need a little bit of time here. You know, you've been, you had a season where you've had your eyes on yourself or whatever. And so, you know, one of the things I, I really like, we, we talked with the Double Dams and um, they're just a, such a great couple. And they talk about this idea. They get down at the end of the week or multiple times and go, hey, was this team Sarah or team Steve, Steve yeah. right? Are we like, you know, this week, was it like, this is more team Steve this week? <laughs> or last week was more team Sarah, but is it team us? Mm-hmm. Are we kind of walking in tandem together? And I think as long as there's that trust there that everyone can go, well, no, I mean, the last year has been about team Steve, <laughs> you know, like that that's when you get in a tough spot. So if you can have that place and kind of find those boundaries, then you can say, hey, what can I do in this moment to change our circumstances and our situation? They may respond a certain way, but if you come with a posture of servanthood, knowing that, you know, if we posture ourselves like Christ and we serve that, you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We may not always love the reception we get or the answer we get on the side, but you can do what you can to make sure your heart's in the right spot, not doing to get, but just doing because you said yes to this person. You agreed to be their teammate, their partner, and walk alongside them no matter what's going on in life. And inevitably, there will be times when we don't get all of this right. So during those times, how do you two practice and model confession both with one another and with your children? Yeah, I think that's so important, you know, to be able to find that posture of humility, right? And to admit when we're wrong, you know, one of the things we talk about in the book is that change only begins with honesty, right? So we can only change to the degree that we're willing to be honest about where we are, about where we've wronged our spouse and about where we're hurting. What we don't want to communicate is that you just cherry pick everything and and everything's, you know, roses and, and always, you know, focus on the positive. There's a lot of of negative emotions that can come up as we rub up against each other in life. But, you know, if we're able to be honest about where, where we've been hurt or find that, that way to apologize when we've been the one that's wronged our spouse, I think it all comes down to just really being honest and and still being kind and speaking life with our words. Um, but we can do that um, and still be honest. I can say, Hey, you know, when you said this, this really hurt me. Um, and I love you, but how can we work on this? Or, you know, I noticed that that really did hurt you when I said this and I'm sorry and, and I'm working on this and how can, how can I help, you know, meet your needs more? Um, so I think honesty is always a great place to start. Yeah. And I think you, you, you said also for us in our marriage and for our kids, I think, you know, we, by, you know, not even close to perfect when it comes to parenting, but I think when we do have those mistakes and we, you know, are a little loud with a kid when we, we're just frustrated and tired of the day and they, they take the brunt. Like we just, we always approach them and say, Hey, I'm just sorry. That probably hurt your feelings the way I said that, or the, you know, how that went down. So, you know, I want to say, I'm sorry and ask for your forgiveness. And so we, we just try and we don't, we try not to let things sit around very long. Yeah. It just doesn't, that, that right there just gives it the opportunity for a lot of really ugly things to happen. The longer you sit on it, you know, the longer you don't try and fix it. And typically, you know, again, after 17 years of like walking through a lot of like good battles together in our life and our marriage, hard seasons, great seasons, you start to go, hey, they are really actually for me. So for us, the the spats don't last real long. Yeah. And the humility and to keep short accounts, those you've given us a lot of practical handles to grab on to. And one of the purposes of this podcast is to lead people to enjoy their own practical chats for intentional living. 
So what are some helpful questions we can use in conversation with our own spouse to get this type of conversation started and to move in a more intentional lifestyle direction? Yeah, the whole back of the book is filled with questions that you can sit down with and we break it into, um, with your spouse, we break it into um, three different sections where you can really cast a vision for your marriage together. So we ask a lot of questions to pull out that that picture that you have, that you're carrying in your heart towards where you want to go as a couple. You know, when we get married, we each bring with us a specific vision of what we hope our life will look like together. And a lot of times, you know, we don't even know what our spouse's picture of our future is, or we haven't had that conversation. Maybe we haven't asked, or maybe we've just gotten so busy that we haven't had the time to sit down and talk through it together. So, you know, one of the things we talk about in the book is slowing down this idea of really stopping all the hectic craziness so that we can have these intentional conversations like you're talking about. But I think a great question to start with, like Chris said, is where are we in and out of rhythm? Where do we know? If you ask any couple that, they will immediately know at least a few areas where they feel out of rhythm and where they feel in rhythm. So I think that's always a great place to start. And it's also real interesting to go, (laughs) like somebody goes, we're not out of rhythm there. (laughs) Like that's the best yeah, rhythm ever. And you're, like, you're like, uh, no, uh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Someone says, no, we're, I'm out of rhythm over here. The other one's going, you think we're out of rhythm there? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, help me understand. Like, why do you feel like we're out of rhythm? And it's not like a, well, because you blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like it gives you an opportunity to have this safe space to start and where we're, you're kind of collectively our shoulder to shoulder looking at the thing in the center of the table going, huh? Maybe we are out of rhythm there. Well, mm-hmm. What? What? How do? How does that look like for you? Because I think we are, but clearly, I maybe I'm missing it. So, mm-hmm. that's just the best first question to ask. And when you gain clarity there, then you can start to kind of chip away. Like, okay, well, there's seven things or a hundred things, whatever, wherever you're at, that we feel like we're out of rhythm. We're gonna celebrate where we are in rhythm, and then let's just pick one or two to say, hey, let's start to work. And practically put into place things we can do, even small things, to get in rhythm in this area or this area. And then we can start working on the other ones as we go. Well, you're clearly such an intentional couple. When do you dedicate time to read with five kids and a podcast and a thriving marriage, among other things? Oh, Laura. Audible. Absolutely. For reading, Audible has saved our our lives and kept us reading. Um, I love to sit down with the book. Chris has always been an Audible guy. I love to sit down with a candle and quiet and a book. But in this season, there's not a lot of quiet. (laughs) There's not a lot of uninterrupted time um, to be found. So Audible has absolutely helped us um, get those books in. Now, I still love to find those moments when I can early in the morning or late at night to sit down with the book. But I've realized there will be seasons for that. Yeah, it's, you know, like this morning, like I woke up at, I don't know, 5.30 and everybody else is asleep. But for Jenny, like she she gets to steal those moments at night. I'm super tired and I'm asleep. <laughs> and so she she's going to stay up and be the night owl. So it's it, it, those are those moments. Yeah, I think your your bigger question is, you know, how do you make space for what matters? I think for us, it's just we don't do it all. We can't do it all. And mm-hmm. I think that you're able to say yes to the things that matter to you when you realize your own capacity and you realize, okay, if I say yes to everything, it will mean saying no to the things that matter most. And a lot of times the things that actually matter most are the ones that are not um, vying for your attention all the time. They're the quietest things, right? They're saying yes to baking a a batch of pretend cookies with your kids or jumping on the trampoline, you know, with your teenager, shooting those hoops with your son in the driveway. Like those are the things that matter most. That's what we want to fill our life with. Right. But they're not the ones yelling for our, our attention all the time. So I think it just requires us looking at our life and, and really trying to be intentional with our yes and say yes to the things that we want to fill our life with. And remembering that that means saying no to all the rest. And if reading is a priority, I love that idea for Audible, and your book is certainly one I want to recommend. Where can people find and follow you online? 
Yeah, you can go to therhythmofus.com to find everything. Um, we are on socials. Jenny Gravy, Chris Gravy, our name is really difficult and hard to spell. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you can spell it for them in your show notes, but it's G-R-A-E-B-E, B as in boy. I have to spell it every day of my life. It's a good thing he's cute, Laura, because um, <laughs> this name, this last name is complicated. If you go to therhythmofus.com, you should be able to find everything. And the book is uh, wherever you like to buy your books. Wonderful. Like you said, we will certainly link to all of that in the show notes for today's episode. And we are called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or discernment. And so as my final question for both of you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? I would say the top two that come to mind for me, the first one um, is journaling. And by journaling, I mean prayer journaling. I've been a big journaler my whole life in some capacity or another. Before I go to sleep every night, I try and just write something, even if it's just good night, Lord, <laughs> because I always end up writing more. But it's just the way that I process my days with him. And so it's always directed to the Lord. It's not just writing down the events of my day, but it's actually laying them at his feet so that I can sleep because I cannot go to sleep with all the things running around in my brain. So just doing that brain dump before the Lord at the end of the day has absolutely changed my life. And I can notice an actual difference in myself, in my heart, in my soul, and in my behavior if I'm not staying on top of this as a discipline. So I would say prayer journaling every night, just at least writing down one thing. And then also walking through the trees absolutely has changed my life. I used to get my workouts in at the gym and that's fine. Crystal loves to do that. But for me, a shift happened when I realized I could run through the trails or go for a walk through the trees. Just something about being in nature, it just does something to my soul. I come back lighter. I can breathe better. I have a better perspective on the world. Just connecting with God in that way, I would say has absolutely changed my life. You know, one of the things for me is, um, you know, when I read Jesus doing miracles and he says, hey, don't tell anybody, or you read scriptures that talk about the secret life. I think for me, the older I get and the longer I get in this thing, I want to do things and that, that really nobody's ever going to see publicly. You know, a lot of it carries like, okay, who I am when no one's looking is really who I am. The text that I send to a friend that will never be posted on social media. You know, it'll just be like, a, hey, I know you're going through something or maybe the, they lost a job and everyone else just kind of scatters. And I kind of like to be that weirdo. It's like, hey, man, I'm still thinking of you. How you doing? It's like, why haven't you left like everybody else? And so I don't know. I, I try as best I can to live this really awesome secret life where I'm serving people and, you know, you know, I'm not really on social much. And so just trying to live every single day that it's like, okay, how can I make an impact where no one's going to see? Because I think for the longest time, you know, whatever was driving me, you know, I had a pretty rough childhood, you know, the idea of going on MTV, there was, there was the wrong motives were driving me. So I think now as I get older and find peace, and Jenny's been such a great gift to me about the idea of serving others and the way I live my life and obviously scriptures and Christ is going, how can I live a life that that doesn't have to be super public? The parts of my life that doesn't, you know, you write a book, you do a podcast, you do videos, th that part's going to be public. But, you know, try and do those things that I'm not doing this for a post or for public acknowledgement. I'm just doing this because, um, one, it's the right thing to do and, and it can serve somebody else. And so, I don't know, I guess my savvy sauce is trying to trying to do the things that no one sees that ultimately will bless other people and not just serve myself. Those are both so good. You are such a warm and engaging couple, and I've really appreciated this time together. I think that your rhythms are wise, and I know this chat's going to lead many to apply the knowledge and then benefit relationally from the truth and grace that you both shared. So thank you for making much of marriage, and thank you for being my guest today. Absolutely. It was our honor. Thank you so much, Laura. Good times. Thanks. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. 
This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10:9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.